Hello and welcome back to the Anti-Football Podcast with me, Thomas Millman and Luke Griffin. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Tottenham Hotspur's match where they hosted Fulham. Uh, the match ended one all, and I think Luke's going to give us a, a quick uh, sort of review of the match before we get into it in any more detail. Yeah, obviously it was a really disappointing game, which has uh, sort of been a bit of a theme this season in terms of uh, drawing games against teams we shouldn't have. Um, we went ahead um, in the first half for a really nice goal through Harry Kane, um, but then conceded in the, in the 74th, so sort of later on, and and then we had to try and claw it back in the last 15 and weren't able to, obviously. And it was uh, just a disappointing performance. Like, the first half was promising. Um, and it was an enjoyable first half as well, which we haven't always had the luck for this year. Um, and then sort of just the second half, once we scored the goal especially, it was just uh, a bit of the same story as quite a lot of the other games. Yeah, it seems to have been a bit of a repeating theme. We'll get onto that in a bit later on. Uh, first of all, what did you think of the uh, lineup? Lineup was fairly ex- is uh, you know our lineup is pretty predictable every week. Um, I thought Winks was rightfully included. I thought this is sort of a game where he should be starting, where we are going to play on the front foot and are going to have more of the ball, um, and he can do that role and keep it ticking for us, which is good. Um, and I thought he had a decent game overall. Um, I don't understand why we really used to Soko right on the right wing. Um, I know he can play there. I just don't really see the advantage of it. Um, and he just really didn't bring much to the game at all. And it just meant whenever he got the ball in like decent positions, you couldn't help but think, oh, like, I wonder what would happen if uh, Delhi or Bergwijn were on the ball there or Le Celso if he was fit or even, even Lamella um, or Lucas um, would have been more effective. Um, so I don't. That was a weird change for me, um, and I would have. I also thought uh, I, Joe Roden was actually an, uh, wasn't available, which I didn't realise before the game. Uh, so I would have liked to see him over Sanchez, but obviously that wasn't possible. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you talked about Sissoko there. We've previously talked about him on this podcast as being how he sort of transformed transformed into being a an effective sort of mid, midfielder alongside Hoiberg in a pairing, being cast out back out onto that onto that right wing in this game and uh back to sort of where he sort of broke onto the scene that's where he was kind of playing uh do you want to expand on a bit more detail what you thought of his performance as a whole obviously you thought he was a bit wasteful in in uh dangerous areas but uh yeah do you have anything else to add on that yeah i mean the reason he's there is essentially to do nothing more than defend the right wing because we don't really trust Aurier. Um, which is fair enough, but at the same time, I just think you look at it and think, why don't we just place a circle at right back? Like I think he's more than capable. Um, and at the moment, we're not asking our Aurea barely push forward because we play on the counter so much. Um, they don't tend to push forward that much, and we can easily just like Sissoko is capable of playing that limited attacking role. Um, and I think he'd be much more effective at right back. Um, whereas playing on the right wing, we're actually asking more of him than when he plays in centre mid. Because in centre mid, we tend to pretty much just bypass him. And he's useful to out of possession and in transition. Um, and then in possession, we just don't really need him. Um, but that's fine. But whereas on the wing, and we need um, the fourth player on the counter-attack, and he's the fourth player. Uh, he's just wasteful and just lacks the quality on the ball to really feed the other three players. Personally, from from a experience of watching Sissoko, and, and I know he's changed a lot since I, I used to watch him in the castle, I'm not sure he has the 
positional awareness to suddenly change to playing as a right back. So I would be questioning. I obviously I know you're not saying that he should be your starting right back, but I'm not. I'm just saying I'm not entirely convinced by the idea of him being able to play there regularly unless there was a sending off or something and you had to move him. Yeah, but I'm also not convinced by playing Doherty or Aurier there. So at this point, I'm willing to play Sissoko as a really defensive right back. I mean, ideally, I'd rather have Tanganga there. I mean, Mourinho apparently thinks that's where his future lies. Um, and I would like to see him play more minutes there. And, I, and as long as he's fit, I don't see why, you know, I'd like to see him push and be given the chance to stake a claim as the first choice right back. Yeah, I, I think definitely if Tanganga is not going to sort of burst out onto the scene uh, soonish, I think uh, we've talked about as we've talked about before, a, a right back would be a uh, a good uh, signing for you in, in, in the coming transfer windows. Um, and going in, in stark contrast to one French midfielder struggling, another I saw a lot of talk about him doing very well. I wasn't able to watch most of the match, but uh, I heard that Tangian Dombele uh, had it put in a really good performance. What were your thoughts on that? I mean, according to Tim Sherwood, him and uh, Sissoko were very similar players, but um, I disagree, <laughs> obviously. And uh, no, Ndombele had an excellent, excellent first half. Um, it was an absolute joy to watch. He was honestly uh, just a different level. And I think he really, like, this is probably one of his best uh, performances for us. I think he had a 15-minute spell where he literally did everything. And um, some of his passing and... He created some really good chances last night and easily could have picked up like two or three assists if we'd been taking our chances. Um, and he was just a lot, everything went through him and was just a really good all-round performance. Um, I could not fault it, really. Yeah, I saw you uh, tweet that uh, uh, people who had in, in, who'd written off Ndombele, we, we will remember you and it won't be forgotten. You must be absolutely delighted that he, he's finally come good. I like... At this, it fought for Spurs. Obviously, I know you were always a fan of him, but his ability to suddenly now have a have a big impact in the team and get a good run of games and and play consistently and do well, you must be really happy with that. I mean, definitely. I mean, I always had faith in him. I knew the sort of player he was at Lyon, um, and he was on my radar for a while. So when we signed him, I was ecstatic. Um, and obviously, the first season didn't really work out. Um, I wasn't. I didn't panic. I thought, you know, I trusted Mourinho to sort of resolve the situation and that he'd adapt with time and you know that's happened now and he's massively influential for our team and like a just a really like exciting player and it's difficult to not like him. Moving on from Ndombele, one player who who did has become almost your your third your third attacking threat third biggest attacking threat uh, is uh, Reguilón um, from left back sort of. Surprise shout. Um, he's, you, you, uh, what are your thoughts on his performances so far this season and in this game where he put in I seal an excellent cross for to assist Kane for the opener? Yeah, he's been excellent. I mean, I, I was really surprised when we signed him. I was not expecting us to get him whatsoever. Um, when we talked about left-backs, he was always one of my first names, but I just didn't think he was realistic, so I didn't particularly talk about him too much. Um, so I was very, very excited when we did get him. And he's been excellent this year. Um, and I think, again, yesterday was one of his better performances. Um, he is insanely fast. Uh, he's a good 1v1 defender. He works really hard. I think mentally he comes across really, really well. Um, and I think as long as Madrid don't try and buy him back, which I'm hopeful they won't, um, I 
think he can do so well for us over the next like long term. And his crossing yesterday was excellent. Um, his assist for Kane was perfect. Yeah, I think Madrid have uh, Ferlan Mendy at the moment, so I think I, he'll be their long term option. So I, I don't see why they would suddenly come back in for Reguilón, um, especially in the financial climate of at the moment as well due to the pandemic. So yeah, you're. I've, from what I've seen of him, I agree. He, he does look uh, a really good a sort of attacking talent down the left. It, it's interesting that you were talking about how you do play on the counter-attack a lot earlier uh, and that um, your full-backs don't get forward that often. But how important is it that, that Reguilón is able to get forward and sort of exploit that sort of pace that he has and that uh, unbelievable sort of crossing ability that he's shown, especially uh, yesterday as we record this? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really important. I mean, Tom, when he introduced, he said our third most important attacker. Um, and what he's referring to there is the fact that uh, in the league this season, Reguillon has the third most shots for Spurs. Um, Kane is ahead by Country Mar, then it's Son, and then a bunch of players on sort of eight to 12 shots, and Reguillon's at the top of that list as it stands. Um, obviously, that'll change over the season. In transition, because we counter-attack, and then all our play sort of relies on Son and Kane, which isn't necessarily a massive problem, but it does mean you can be over-reliant on them, and if they have an off day, um, and their finishing's off or whatever, which is very rare for the two of them, but um, it can happen, then we do have limited options, and Ndombele is excellent, um, that he is playing slightly further forward than a lot of people would really think, uh, would really want him to. And although he's creating chances, he's not like a consistent, like he can only do so much really. And he doesn't offer too much of a goal threat, even though he can pitch in with some. Um, but we, you know, on the right wing, we haven't had a consistent starter. Sissoko didn't offer enough yesterday, which isn't actually surprising. And, you know, I've talked about blows before, but I have a lot of faith in Bergwijn and would like to see him more. And I think he can start contributing to more goals um, as the season progresses, once we get him back on the pitch, really. But yeah, Reguillon has been excellent and it is important that when we're not just counter-attacking, but we need to be able to break down a block, which has been our problem for a couple of years now. And it definitely was the problem under Poch in the final year. Um, and yeah, just not being able to break down the fences and score outside of transition um, is a real big way for us. And that's why everyone's sort of calling for a playmaker. Um, but Reguillon is really important to that and it just gives us uh, a really good threat from wide where which I don't think we really have otherwise we haven't really been a crossing team for a while um and Aurier, Doherty um don't have great crossing ability Davies is okay but it's not quite as doesn't have the same uh ability as bringing on going forward in terms of pace and explosiveness and driving the ball forward yeah no I I, I entirely agree um I think it is it is interesting because especially in the modern in, in the modern game, we see so many teams making as much use of their full-backs or wing-backs as possible. Uh, and I think Reguillon can, does have the potential to be a, a world-class uh, uh, full-back who can really offer you a lot of uh, attacking ability for, down that left-hand side. Um, so you mentioned the problem there, not being able to break down low blocks. There's also been a problem of... Um, well, basically not being able to finish off games despite going in the lead and to having control of the game, as it seems, as when most te- big teams go in the lead, they, they tend to kick on and be able to see it, see it out for the three points. 
Why is that a problem for Spurs at the moment? And how, like, what is happening within the squad? Do you think it's a mentality thing? Do you think it's a setup? Is it substitutions? Is it how, how, how do you see it? We've drawn several games 1 1 this year to late, uh, late equalisers like Newcastle, Fulham, Wolves. Um, there's another one or two that's slipping my mind right now. And then obviously the West Ham game where we completely fell apart despite going 3 0 up. So, you know, it's not the problem is that we. We go one in luck and then our game just seems to change and we switch off a bit and just, you know, I tweeted earlier how it feels like we don't have a plan or at least looks like that on the pitch. And I, I don't think, obviously, I don't think that Mourinho has no plan whatsoever, but it definitely looks like that. So there's something going wrong in terms of the players aren't um, carrying out the plan effectively or don't have the ability to or the plan is just plainly not good enough and isn't suited for the team or whatever reason. And, you know, it's hard to place blame on the, from the outside, but, you know, it's, it's a clear problem. And yeah, we, last night, the real problem is that we didn't take the chances we had um, in the first sort of hour, um, which is very unlike us, to be fair, because, you know, Son is statistically pretty much the, like, one of the best finishers of all time. Um, and he missed some great opportunities last night, which is really disappointing. And it does look a bit like expected goals is catching up with him a little bit, but that was a problem really. Um, but it's just the fact that in possession, we just don't really have an idea of what we're doing. We didn't, we're able to control the game when we're out of possession and the same deep against the top teams like we did against um, City and Chelsea, where we looked quite good. Um, and we did it well against Arsenal and did okay against Liverpool as well, where we were fairly unfortunate in the end. Then in possession, we just sort of lack any sort of idea of what we're doing we just let them control the game um and don't really assert ourselves at all um and it just doesn't really feel like we're in control and just don't really have like any sort of recognizable style of play other than oh yeah we're good on the counter-attack um and it does feel like something needs to change so that we can really see out these wins and get the points that we should be getting and um at the moment it's just a bit ridiculous that we're just dropping them at such like an easy rate and it's just so predictable from a from a neutral point of view as when it comes down to teams like this i think it, it is hugely down to, to down to the midfield because at the moment your midfielders whether it's soak and hoiberg hoiberg and winks or whatever are can be effective as a partnership sort of defensively and are sound in possession and can be good but I, in that way, I do understand that you mentioned earlier there is calls to bring in a playmaker or start playing Lo Celso or, or Ali more often. And you also mentioned how you'd like to see Ndombele play a bit deeper as well. Because when you do go forward, if you look at your team sort of yesterday, for example, you've got Reggie on, fair enough. You said Aurier doesn't really attack much. Hoiberg and Winks, are, as I said, are solid midfielders and, and can be good, but aren't like world-class sort of playmaker who's going to pick out that unbelievable pass for you. Sissoko, as you said, is just there to defend. So that leaves you with just like Ndombele, Kane and Son pretty much. And that's just, <laughs> and Reguillon. And really, you look at like the teams around you at the, at the top of the at the top of the table and they do have like a lot of an array of attacking quality and a lot of ways in which they can hurt opposition teams. And that's why you're effective on the, on the counter-attack in, in, ga- in big games and things is because you can hit them with these 
three or four in really impressive players and you've got players who are going to do the dirty work and hard work in midfield. Um, yeah, what, what, do you, what do you think? Do, what do you think about the, the calls, for example, to play sort of like Ali more often or play, sort of, yeah, have a bit more creativity in the side? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I like our sort of team mould in terms of like, you know, it does fit my sort of philosophy in a way I like football in terms of um, attacking players who have loads of flair and you can rely on them to score goals. Um, obviously, you want top stackers and then sort of, I like the midfield is a bit more industrial, hardworking and just sort of does the dirty work and enjoys doing that. And then just a solid defence, which is fairly like, just like tough and no nonsense. Um, and I, we do have that like fairly within reason. And then people, what, like the main thing is that people want De- uh, Ndombele, sorry, to play deeper, which is his more natural role and play him next to Hoiberg. And Hoiberg's been excellent this season. There's no really fault in him. Um, and as much as I would love Ndombele to be in the deeper areas, which is where he's probably more effective and would help us so much in possession when we need to break down teams and like build up from the back more uh, and play out of pressure. I just defensively, it's then a worry. And that's why Sokol has to play there. And that's why it's just like the back line needs strengthening to allow us to uh, be more creative further up the field. Because um, ideally, you do want uh, Ndombe in the, in the midfield too. But at the moment, I just don't, I don't think it's possible. Um, and yeah, I think Delhi needs to be given a chance. I just don't. I I have a lot of faith in, you know, we talked about the other day, he, you can't question his quality and I just think he could add a lot more to the team and at the moment we're just not even giving him a chance. Um, whereas at times yesterday, like I said, like Sissoko um, was ineffective in attack, which isn't exactly surprising. And then we brought on Vinicius and Lamella off the bench when we needed a goal. And, you know, I don't really, I didn't particularly like either of those subs. Um Ndombele, like I can understand if he was tired and needs to come off, but at the same time, we didn't replace him with enough creativity. And by bringing on Delhi, at least he can have that um, moment of quality where he just creates something and brings that threat in the final third, which we otherwise can lack massively, which is a, like a big worry. And Lamella was okay when he came on, and I would have liked to seen him on earlier, really, or even possibly start at Sissoko if he was fit. Um, but re- like people constantly go on about how they would like a new centre-back and how Dyer and Alderweireld aren't good enough. But at, at the end of the day, our defensive record in the league is very, very good. And I think it's often a, the case that people, I talked about this earlier, I tweeted it, um, that people overestimate the importance of individual defenders, especially centre-backs. So the team concedes a goal, the centre-backs get a blame. But I think most of the time you need to look at further up the pitch. And I think most of the time it's in the field or just the, the system as a whole. Um, for why they're conceding. I think defensive organisation and system is more important than the individual players themselves. So I don't think bringing in a centre-half, um, a new one, is going to just fix all our issues um, and we're going to stop conceding late goals. Um, that's not the problem. And I would like us to see, you know, I don't think it's going to be possible this January, but which is a problem. Um, but, you know, from now, we need to work with what we have. And then in summer, strengthen areas um, and then sort of decide what we're going to do with Delhi, whether he's going to stay or go. I think, you know, he posted an Instagram story last night and he just looks absolutely fed up, which is completely understandable. So we sort of need to decide and know whether he's staying or going and then we can build the squad 
accordingly um, and then try and move Ndombele to a more comfortable role potentially um, then we can bring in a more attacking player or bring in a, uh, a really solid right back which then facilitates Ndombele dropping a bit more and just yeah um, I think there's a lot of potential in the side and we have the, the, the building blocks are there but it's not the final product which is you know unfortunate because you know you bring in Mourinho and you want results here and now really yeah um, you talked about working with what you've got now. Obviously, Mourinho hasn't changed the, the lineup too much. I'm going to put you on the spot a bit, uh, just because I want to. Um, what is Tottenham Hotspur's best 11 out of all your squad if they're fully fit, in your opinion? Okay, I would go Lloris and go, obviously. Uh, okay. Back four of Region. Rodon, and then oh, the other one's tough, probably out of Herald, but I don't think Dyer is much behind either of them. I just think Rodon would be a good addition to the team. Um, then I'd go Oreo right back, unfortunately. Midfield two of um, Sissoko and Hoiberg, and then in Domble is a 10, which isn't ideal, but. You know, he still is effective there. It's not like he falls apart. He is still excellent as he's shown. I just would like him to be in deep areas at times. Um, so on the left, Kane up front, Bergwijn on the right. Um, yeah, that, that was my ideal 11. Okay, fair enough. No, well, I, I was just interested to hear what hear what your, your thoughts would have been based on whether, whether you would have made. I didn't think you would, but I was just interested to see whether you would make any particularly drastic changes or whether it would no, just be I, I wouldn't, like... I just think that, you know, I think Delhi needs to play a bigger role in the team. And I think, you know, I was really tempted to go Tanganga at right back and then Ndombele in midfield with sort of Delhi at 10. But, you know, I just don't know how feasible that is right now. I need to see more of Tanganga at right back. I need to know what the situation with Delhi is. So I think, you know, with Delhi and Tanganga, that, that sort of, uh, uh, that lineup is, the the dream one uh, that's what could potentially work really well, possibly with a more attacking manager. But I think for now, with the way we're playing, the first one I said, which is what Mourinho plays most weeks when possible, is the the one for now. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned attacking manager there. Um, you also talked about earlier how when you bring in Mourinho, you're bringing in him, him in for results. Um, that defeat. That, that, sorry, that draw against Fulham seems you drop. What? Sorry, I said it felt like a defeat. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that that draw takes you, drops you down to sixth in, in the Premier League. Uh, it's probably very faint. Uh, maybe calls a couple of people saying like Jose Mourinho, is he the right option for Spurs at the moment? Well, what are you? What are your thoughts on on sort of those those opinions? And because obviously, if he's not getting results, the results that you need. Obviously, you, I'm not saying I'm not ruling out anything at the moment. You're in a lot of competitions and you're in a decent position. Uh, what? Well, yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm I'm definitely not Jose out. I I'm not his biggest fan. I think I do like him and I like bits about it. And I think he has done some great work this season, but I don't think it's like. Obviously, yeah, obviously it hasn't been perfect. Um, but, you know, I don't think many people, I think it's a very small fraction of people, but 
you know, I'm just going to say, no, I'm definitely not uh, asking for him to be sacked. I think we're in a great position in the other competitions. We're not in a terrible position in the league. I think someone tweeted today, this is the closest we've been to the title leaders um, after 17 games in, I think, ever in the Premier League, which I'm not sure how true that is, to be fair, because I thought like the Leicester seasons and, you know, some of the seasons under Potts would be closer. But, um, you know, this season, no one's that good in the league. Um, I think City are stepping up. Liverpool are looking good again. But, you know, it doesn't really feel like any team is miles ahead than the rest. Like, there's quite a lot of teams competing for the top top four, top six. Um, and, you know, all it takes is a few good results against top teams and cutting out the errors that, that are causing us to currently lose points unnecessarily. Um, cutting out those errors and then we can see us fly up the table really um and then we're obviously you know got a cup final coming up we've got fourth round uh in the fa cup and then you know the europa league is still you know something we've sort of forgotten about it's been a while since we played it but we've got a good draw and i'm i think i'm personally still optimistic about our chances to do well and do something um exciting in that um so i'm, I'm looking forward to that so i, I you know Mourinho, you know what you're going to get with him, really. And this season has had its highs and lows, um, as most seasons do. And I am, in a sense, looking forward to whoever we bring in next. Uh, but I'm in. I'm not necessarily in a rush to do that, um, as long as results and the squad don't completely fall apart. Yeah, that's fair enough. I agree. Uh, from a, uh, I, I wouldn't get rid of Mourinho at all if I was uh, a Spurs fan or involved in the club um, so you've got your next five games I think it'd be interesting to revisit this conversation in, in, in five or seven games time um, you've got Sheffield away uh, then Wickham in the fourth round of the FA Cup as you mentioned Liverpool at home Brighton away Bright, yeah Brighton away and then Chelsea at home Uh yeah, as I said, I think it would be really interesting to see how many points and how many wins and things you can get out of those five games. Uh, just looking short term, though, you travel to Sheffield on um, Sunday, who just, thanks to Newcastle, are on about a run of two wins for the first time this season. Uh, you've just drawn disappointing draw at home to Fulham. What sort of response are you looking at? From, from the team obviously a win but what, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to seeing uh, as they take on Sheffield who are still struggling it must be added on five points for the season so far yeah I mean um, technically you could say that us and Sheffield United are fairly similar in the sense that we win or lose our games by fine margins so they lose all the games by one goal and we tend to win our games by one goal or uh, draw because we can't score a second um so although you know obviously we're going to be favorites and i we should be like being we should be fairly comfortable uh but part of me obviously knows that anything can happen um you know i'd imagine i'd like to see us just nothing needs to like majorly change but it's just we need to be able to get that second goal and then just be more comfortable in the second half uh once we're winning and see the game out and I don't think it's a, it's a major change, but um, we just definitely need to be more comfortable when we have the ball. At the times we seem almost scared of it, and you know, as I said before, just without a plan and as if we players don't really know what they should be doing, and there's no like 
cohesive um, like patterns and structure. Yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, I think Spurs should should win comfortably. But then again, I thought you'd beat Fulham comfortably. Who it must be said before we wrap up this podcast that um, I, I heard that Fulham played a, played a lot better, and I'm I'm personally I'm quite glad that uh, they're they're turning around uh, somewhat under Scott Parker. They have got some good players that I know we both like. Uh, so I, I, some credit should be given to them for, for managing to get a draw as well. Yeah, I think uh, you know credit to Scott Barker. They, they definitely weren't uh, a bad team. I think I like Fulham in terms of, you know, they, it's the same story as sort of last time they were in the Premier League where they have some really good individual players. I just feel like the squad isn't built particularly well. Um but I feel like they're getting there and they are playing. They, they look decent and um, they definitely have some players I really like. So is there, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you'd like to talk about with regards to Spurs? No, I don't think so. Well, in that case, thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.